welcome back. You're riding along the surf with all of us here as we grab a board and swim out of that vast sea of ideas here that looks like it's filling up most of Southern California because it's raining again here. Oh, my goodness. We need some happy news, Matt Pines. You poor people down there in Southern California. It's raining. This is like the second time this year. Come on. This is Armageddon. This is Armageddon. This is is, spoken when it was like negative 40 you know, 400 degrees in um, in your homeland of Minneapolis. I've been seeing pictures of some friends from mostly the upper Midwest, Chicago, Minnesota. I, just, I can't even fathom what negative 40 would feel like. How does it go down to zero, to nothing, and keep going? It goes below nothing. When I was, no, a, when I was a kid, it would go down to minus 20. Alive. I've been in minus 20, and that's miserable. I can't imagine really minus 40 or 35. I think it was minus 35 in Detroit the other day. With, it's ridiculous. You know, it's, I'm, I'm actually going to be in Chicago myself next week uh, you know, for, uh, for our radio show. And it's supposed to be, I think it's, it's not going to be quite that cold, but I think the low next Thursday is still going to be like negative 18. It hurts which, to be that cold. It, I mean, it's dangerous at that level because even if there's a wind, you, you can freeze. Your lungs can freeze. It's crazy. But even at around minus 10, minus 20, your face just absolutely stings when you go out into the weather. Why would anybody live back there? Yeah, I'm just putting your beach drizzle in context. (laughs) Well, it's pretty bad. I mean, I know what they're suffering because, you know, it went down to, it's probably 59 here right now. I've got the heat up and I'm getting ready to put my jacket on over here. All right. Well, before we lose all of our Midwest listeners, we should probably move on and get started with the show. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this uh, Polar Vortex edition of Sales Pipeline Radio. If you're joining us live, I hope you are inside. I hope you are staying warm. Uh, as we record this, it is the last day of January. I can't believe tomorrow is February already. But for those of you grinding it out, hitting your number, trying to hit your number, and uh, you know, start the year off strong for January, thanks for joining us live in the middle of your workday on the Funnel Media Radio Network. For those of you who listen to the podcast, hope you had a great January and excited to uh, have you join us. We are, I think we have just now, as of this month, we have passed the 50,000 subscriber milestone for Sales Pipeline Radio, which is phenomenal it's phenomenal and humbling and uh, very very cool so thank you everyone for joining us and every episode of sales pipeline radio past present and future always available at salespipelineradio.com we are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in sales and marketing and today is no different we are continuing eo month apparently we had the uh we had an eo an entrepreneur organization member and the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK last week and today we have the co-founder ceo of guidant financial dave nilson joining us today dave thanks so much for joining us on sales pipeline radio yeah thanks for having me so uh excited to have you on the show i've wanted to get you on for a while to talk about a number of topics and you know last week we talked an awful lot about entrepreneurism and talked about just sort of the the tenacity it takes to just be a a professional but also be an entrepreneur you have been doing this for a very long time. You know, you, you, you've written your own book, uh, Making the Jump into Small Business Ownership, which I uh, would encourage people to check out. But really want to spend tonight, want to just get into a conversation here with Dave Nelson from Guidant Financial. They've been around for almost 16 years helping small businesses grow with uh, financing options. And they want to talk a little bit about sort of your entrepreneurial journey, you know, before we get into sort of how you have built a sales and marketing engine. You know, what was it about this topic that was a passion for you? And just give a quick story of sort of where you started and how you've gotten to this point today. 
Sure. Um, well, mine, like many entrepreneurs, was uh, uh, accidental. So I was developing real estate here in Washington State and uh, had an opportunity to raise some additional funds. And as I was talking to an attorney one day, she suggested that I look at self-directed IRAs or retirement plans as a way to help people invest in real estate. And through a process of exploration and discovery, realized that not only can people invest retirement assets in real estate, but they can invest in things like uh, small businesses and private mortgages and tax liens. And so we actually initially launched Guidance to help people do that, invest in alternative assets. Over time, though, what happened was my uh, co-founder and I realized that we weren't really as passionate about those uh, alternative investments as we were the businesses themselves. And so in, in the course of sort of figuring out what our model was going to be and connecting with our customers, we realized that the real gap in the marketplace was in helping individuals who were looking to buy or start a business and needed between about a hundred k and a million dollars to do that. Uh, there was a real gap in terms of them being able to access capital. And so in addition to helping them use retirement assets, we've built an SBA capability and unsecured credit. And so we, we've sort of evolved as we went from, you know, more traditional or, or alternative financial uh, services to really a small business financing uh, organization. But it was it was accidental. I actually have in my office here a piece of paper. You know, they say people start businesses on the back of a napkin. I've got a drawing, um, and that was really our initial business plan from the get-go. That's fantastic. And one, one thing that stood out to me in that conversation is something I know a lot of people face either in their businesses or in their career, and it's the idea of a pivot, right? The idea that you see an opportunity and sometimes you you know, you move from what you were doing to something different. And I think in hindsight, those successful pivots always look like a slam dunk. In the moment, they're not always a clear-cut choice. Could you talk a little bit about that moment of vaping that pivot and sort of what you had to go through just sort of mentally to do that? And I think I'm thinking about that not just for those, you know, that might be entrepreneurs or thinking about stepping in on their own, but people that are, you know, looking at their own even sales and marketing careers and facing an opportunity that isn't certain that it sometimes is scary. Yeah, I always love how we talk about it as a moment of time. Like there's this moment where you pivoted and everything changed. The reality <laughs> right. is when I talk about the fact that our business shifted, that was a five-year process. So it's something that, you know, like you start to see, hey, this doesn't really connect for me, and I'm wondering if this is the right path for us. And then over time what we saw is that we were investing more and more time and energy in the small business component of our uh, operation and less and less in the alternative asset. And so you start to see these resource conflicts that came up within the business, those that were working on the real estate side were, you know, concerned that maybe they weren't getting the time and attention. And so eventually we divested it. We, we sold that portion of the business to a company who wanted to continue to grow and expand in that area. And that would ultimately be best for our customers, best for our, uh, our team members on that side. Uh, and it would give the existing organization, the remaining organization, a chance to focus in on who they really wanted to serve and who we wanted to be long term. So it wasn't, you know, I'd like to say that it was a moment in time, but the reality is it was a long, painful decision because you're talking about people, you know, your clients, your employees, and, you know, as entrepreneurs, you have this sort of emotional attachment to this thing that you're building. So not easy. No, not easy at all. And I think we would probably spend the whole show talking on the concept of pivot as a process, uh, which I think is something that a lot of people that have been through that, both successfully and unsuccessfully, can talk about. But I, I want to cover today, and we talked before, you know, as we sort of talked about what the what, all the different topics we could cover in this conversation. I want to talk about the sales and marketing engine you have built. Um, you know, you know, as, as, as like a lot of people, you start the business, you start to figure out what are people looking for, what does our sales process look like. And as you've grown the business successfully over the last 16 years, you really have developed 
an engine for growth uh, that not only is supporting your growth, but your, your, your growth goals, but also you're doing it without making cold calls. You're doing it without having to do a lot of, you know, complicated and sometimes um, uh, just, just frustrating outbound selling efforts. So I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of how you came to that process and sort of how you've been able to sort of systematize and scale that. Yeah. Well, let me start by just talking philosophically. Uh, and no offense to those that are listening to this podcast, but in general, I hate being sold. So uh, there's a stigma in general with, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, but with salespeople, because I personally don't like going through the process of trying to be sold. And so when we designed our system initially, you know, I was you know, chief cook and bottle washer, because when we started this thing, it was just two of us, and I was the one that was focused on sort of developing and generating our revenue engine. And so I had to build a system that allowed me to play to my strengths, but also felt like it was the right thing for our clients. Now, <clears throat> we were fortunate in that we started this business uh, at a time that our industry was uh, a little bit immature. It, it it just there wasn't a ton of competition, and so we had the benefit of having a lot of potential interest uh, and not a lot of competition for that, you know, for those uh, individuals. And so the things that I tried to do was make sure that we were providing uh, good information to the marketplace, um, that we were meeting people where they wanted to consume that information, so we're providing in lots of different ways, and then making it easy for them to engage with us. Um, and so that system was sort of built uh, under the premise of, of making it simple for people to engage and, and not having them feel sold. So, you know, we are a financial firm, so we are helping people look at ways that they can capitalize a business, but we try to take uh, more of a care and empathy approach than a clinical one. Yeah, you know, I think there's. I, I've heard a lot of people characterize that approach in different ways, and one of the ways I've heard that is, you know, you're not selling, you're helping. Uh, I'm curious how you think about that moment when you do, in some cases, even if you are providing value to someone, even if you're sort of, sort of coming to a mutually beneficial agreement, when even when you're sort of enabling some outcome they care about, there's still as part of that is the moment of getting a close, right? I mean, like you, 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 I assume you're not just waiting for them to, on their own volition, say yes. That even as we sit here on the last day of January, I'm sure you are staring at a dashboard and hoping to hit a certain number and not just hoping and praying it happens, but also putting things in place to, you know, to, to compel people to make a decision now versus next month or now versus later. How do you bring those together? How do you, how do you provide a very customer centric, you know, benefit outcome oriented process, but still manage to close? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question, and it's one that I think we struggled with for a long period of time. I can tell you what works for us, and that is taking a little bit longer perspective. So, for example, a moment ago you made the comment about me staring at a dashboard. Well, we actually work off quarterly targets uh, and quarterly plans versus monthly ones because I, I personally wasn't a big fan of every single month us having these real big ebbs and flows in terms of our energy and effort and sales, and it just put extra stress on the team. And so we built our uh, sales engine to have a little bit longer perspective. Um, in addition to that, we wanted to make sure that while we provide lots of potential services, that our compensation strategy doesn't, doesn't um, cater towards one of those products any more than the others. And so we wanted to make sure that people could be objective about um, what they um, are suggesting a client consider. Um, the other thing that I would say is that, you know, in the way that we generate our, our business is with a lot of uh, sort of inbound marketing tactics, and a big part of that is our channel. Um, 
right now about 50% of our business is either coming from customer referrals or channel referrals. That's a big number. And so we have to take really good care of those customers because word travels fast. Uh, so for us, we've, you know, we've tried to take that long view, make sure that our internal practices and plans um, certainly support that, and then make sure that you know, we understand that we are serving uh, a base where our reputation is going to either enable or disable our ability to grow. Talking today on Sales Platform Media with Dave Nielsen. He's the co-founder CEO of Guide and Financial. And right quick before we have to take a quick commercial break here, um, you know, we talked about the machine you guys have built from a sales and marketing standpoint. And, you know, one of the metrics you guys look at is um, appointment set. So not just sort of those inbound leads and inbound requests, but the number of appointments you get set to sort of move things along. Talk a little bit about how you think about, how do you characterize appointments to make sure that those aren't just sort of a, you know, it's not just a number that the sales team is hitting, but something that the prospect themselves is enthusiastically signing up for and committing to as well. Yeah, so I'll take, um, I'll try and do this really quickly. We can dig in after the break if we need to. But, you know, we generate a tremendous amount of leads on a monthly basis. And so we have to be very careful um, who we are spending our time with. And so we have a team of individuals who spend their time uh, calling down on these people that have inquired about the stuff that we do and try and extract a little bit of information to understand whether or not we are potentially a good fit. About half the time we realize we're actually not a great fit. And so it's both in our interest and this prospective small business owner's interest to give them resources resources to help them continue their search and maybe get where they want to go, but recognize that we're probably not the right company to do that for them. Those that do, though, qualify in, meaning that we think we could potentially be a good fit, then we set these appointments. And so the appointments then are more of a deep dive where we're really giving our gold and educating the client on the ways that they capitalize their business, because this is a very high-stakes transaction for individuals, arguably the largest investment that they will make in their lifetime. Uh, And so it is not a sales process. It really is an educational one. So they're excited. Love hearing that. Something to, there's something yeah, to gain from it. That's awesome. I, and I think that's the only way you can do it and do it successfully is when, you know, if, if you set an appointment with someone and that day comes and they've got, you know, other fire drills and things that they're supposed to be doing, um, if they don't know why they're setting up to that appointment or what they're going to get out of it, it's a lot easier just to blow it off. But if they know they're going to learn, they're going to get some insights, they're going to get some value. They remain committed to the process and the appointment. Well, we got a lot more coming up here with Dave Nielsen, the co-founder and CEO of Guidance Financial. We're going to talk about the content strategy they've put together and how that's been so successful helping drive their inbound leads. We're going to be talking about internal culture and why that's so important uh, to, 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 to building a successful sales and marketing engine and why it's been so important to Guidance. We'll be right back after paying a couple bills here. This is Sales Pipeline Radio. The way we do business is advancing faster than ever before. Yet amongst the disruptions, there's one pillar that stays standing through it all, the power of a relationship. Relationships are at the core of everything. So how are today's organizations developing, nurturing, and leveraging them to drive success? Download the new research report on the state of relationship marketing and learn how your team can bridge the gaps between relationships and revenue. Download your free report at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. All right. A little slow on the take here today. The poor, I have to work my way through the pouring rain here and the freezing cold and all that. So, I'm just going to keep calling it beach drizzle. Uh, just <laughs> if, if for no other reason 
just uh, in em- with in empathy with our, our friends in the Midwest today. <laughs> well, speaking of the Midwest, next week on Sales Pipeline Radio, I will be joining you live from the heart of the vortex in Chicago, Illinois. I'll be out there with a client's uh, marketing kickoff for the year. But Sales Pipeline Radio rolls on. We are going to be featuring next week uh, Alex Schutman. He is the CEO of Workfront and has recently written and published a new book uh, on not just hitting your number, but doing it the right way. And I've known Alex for a very long time from back in his time at Eloqua. And uh, he is he is one of my favorites in this topic of integrity and doing business and doing sales with integrity and doing business the right way. So very excited next week to have Alex Schutman join us on Sales Pipeline Radio. I want to continue our conversation today with Dave Nelson, the co-founder and CEO of Guidant Financial. And I want to get to some of your content in a minute, because if anybody that's listening that is an entrepreneur or working in a small business, you know whether or not you're looking for funding has an awful lot to learn from the content you create. And we'll point some of that out in a minute. But I want to talk about culture because I think, you know, that topic we're going to cover next week with Alex around, you know, hitting the number, but doing it the right way, I know is a big focus of yours uh, with your part, with with your your co-founder and partner, you know, winning best places to work, I know is a huge source of pride for you. Talk a little bit about the importance of culture and what you've done to build uh, a culture that facilitates the sales success and growth that you've seen. Yeah, well, I mean, I say this to nearly every single uh, new team member that we bring on. I, I, my personal belief is you spend more time at work than you do with your family, so you better enjoy what you do, believe in what you're providing to a market, and enjoy the people that you work with. So we work really hard to foster a culture here that is passionate about the entrepreneurs that we serve, uh, wants to invest in the community that we all sort of live and work in every single day, uh, and ultimately make a difference in the lives of you know these people that are starting businesses and creating jobs and, you know, taking ownership over their own life. So it's very important because, you know, I would take personally uh, someone that's a great cultural fit over a great skills fit any day. Well, and I love if you if you check out, you know, the, the guide and financial page, just even on LinkedIn, you see a lot of great examples of sort of the investment you've made in your people, the growth you've put into not just the growth of the company, but also in new markets. Uh, you know, just recently, I think it was just earlier this month, you guys launching a new new office in Boise, Idaho, Idaho, and really contributing to a number of different markets and providing jobs and great cultures for a lot of people. What you also see on that LinkedIn page are a lot, is a lot of the great content you have. You just scroll down and you see you know, topics on, you know, the top five startups of last year, and what you can learn from them. You see, you know, the value of hiring with emotional intelligence. And there's a wide variety of content that, and I set this up somewhat, not facetiously, but just, it is not about funding. It doesn't go right for the throat and say, would you like to, you know, expand your business? Can we provide you funding? You clearly have put a focus on your content strategy on providing a wide variety of value-added content for your target. Can you talk a little bit about the strategy behind that and why that and how that's been, how you've been able to successfully convert that into um, pipeline and new business? Yeah. So, um, well, let me start with our content strategy and sort of some of the the core tenants behind that. I mean, if you look at the vision that we have, our vision is to increase the number of people that succeed in small business. It has nothing to do with helping them access capital, giving them money. That's a catalyst to the reason they come to us. They come to us because they want to open a business. They want to take you know, control over their lives and their, their financial futures and invest in themselves. That's why they come to us. And so you know, for us, the way that we serve them and the way that we generate value, per se, in that is, is by helping them access 
access capital. But where we can best serve them is by educating them and helping them understand ways that they could be more successful as a business owner. It's also a way that we reach more of these prospective entrepreneurs uh, and start to nurture them over time is by providing them great content. So just like you pointed out there, we want to make sure that we're covering the gamut of issues that affect small business owners, not just the thing that is self-serving. And that's an intentional strategy, right? To be able to sort of build some value. And as part of that, knowing that, you know, your, some of your prospects that are highly qualified as prospects just aren't ready to buy today. Talk a little bit about sort of that top of funnel strategy and how it relates to the timing of when people may or may not, you know, be ready to engage in sort of a, an actual purchase decision or at least purchase process. Well, it's funny. So we survey our customers every single, or sorry, our prospects every single uh, year, and we ask them the question, you know, where are you at in your process, blah, blah, blah. We do the same thing with our customers, and what we find from our customers is the number one reason they bought a business is because an opportunity presented itself. Now, that's pretty that's pretty interesting because we generate thousands of leads per month. A significant number of them, you know, won't move forward right away. And so what that means is that they're thinking about this. They're open to the idea, but they haven't found the right opportunity. For us, we sort of play the mortgage professional role in a real estate transaction. So somebody could be looking online at Redfin or Zillow. They could be working with an agent, but they don't actually need to really get a mortgage until they've found a transaction, right, a deal to do. Right. And so for us, as people are starting to think about this and dream about it, um, they start searching the web, looking for information. Uh, and so this is part of our acquisition strategy is to provide good, relevant, credible content to the market that helps move them towards a transaction over time. And, of course, once we've uh, had an opportunity to uh, capture a little bit of their information, then we certainly do make sure that we continue to keep our information in front of them so that when the time is right, our hope is that we've established a level of trust and credibility with them that they'll want to engage. Love it. Just have a couple more minutes here with Dave Nelson, the co-founder and CEO of Guidance Financial. We've been talking about, you know, the key components of building a, a scalable, you know, sales engine. And part of that is the people themselves, not just the culture you provide for the organization overall, but the very people you hire to begin with. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the attributes uh, that you look for in a successful sales rep as you continue to scale your inside sales team? You know, you, you may be looking for experience, but what what are the components or attributes of of, of new sales reps that, that you've seen that most lead to success in your organization? Yeah, so when I'm doing uh, interviews with our sales professionals, there's really, I don't know, four to five attributes that I'm, I'm personally looking to assess. Certainly I want to understand, like, do they have some experience? Have they seen success in the past doing this? But the things that I really care about is, um, are they a learner? You know, what are they doing to stay sharp on sort of modern practices? How are they continuing to stretch and grow themselves? Uh, the second is I actually try to find a way inside of that to role play so that we can actually do some live coaching because coachability, in my opinion, is one of the greatest keys of success for someone who's going to take on uh, a sales uh, career. And then, you know, knowing that Guiden is a dynamic and evolving organization, one of our core values is adaptability. We, we need people who are willing to sort of roll with the changes and uh, adapt as we try and fail and succeed in various ways. And then the, uh, the fourth 
is a level of uh, humility, understanding you know who they are and where they're strong and where they need support or where they can get better. And the final one is just a passion for entrepreneurship. I mean, it, no matter where you work, is, as good as the culture can be, as fun as it is, sometimes it actually does feel like a job. And so you've still got to be passionate about the role that you play and the customer that you serve. So those are the things that I look for when I'm talking to potentially uh, hiring someone in a sales uh, capacity. Well, that's a great list. And I think, um, you know, I think oftentimes, especially when people look for sales reps, we look at their past experience. We want to see that they've been successful selling somewhere else. And, you know, as, as for those that have built and run sales organizations, you learn, you learn the hard way that just past experience does not mean they're necessarily going to be successful in your industry, in your culture, in a different environment. So I think those attributes oftentimes are better indicators of whether someone's going to be uh, successful and, and scale and grow in your business. Well, uh, just to, almost out of time here, but I want to ask you one final question. I think you mentioned, you know, one of the attributes you look for in new hires is you look for people that are hungry and people that are lifelong learners. Yourself as a learner, and I know just, just knowing you the last few years through through EO, you know, you continue to be a voracious learner. You read and you always want to learn new things. Who are some of the people that you the stand out in your learning experience and your history of learning people that are either, you know, authors or mentors, you know, past managers, you know, they could be alive or dead, you know, people that, you know, you might recommend others listening to the show, look for and, and keep an eye out for or seek to get some guidance and learning as well. Sure. Well, uh, a couple people come to mind right out of the off the out of the gate. So one is a gentleman named uh, Lex Sisney. Lex was the uh, founder of um, uh, Commission Junction. He wrote a book called Organizational Physics: The Science Behind Growing a Business. So he takes you know uh, rules of science and applies them to growing a business. Um, I love his concepts in in terms of how he thinks about product development, designing the sort of organizational structure, and some of the processes that it that you can implement in order to run a business more efficiently. So uh, for your listeners out there, uh, Lex Sisney is probably the single greatest mentor that I've had uh, in my professional life. Um, you know, then uh, the other one that I would just say is uh, one of the books that I subscribe to, the concepts, and uh, just personally uh, feel like a lot of our business is designed around is uh, the Toyota Way. So the, the purpose of using lean methodology to, to learn fast, not launch fast, uh, is something that we try to live every single day. So those are two, one person and uh, one resource that I think anyone who wants to learn about what it takes to own and operate a small business would find really, really interesting. And I think there's a lot of concepts that apply to um, those that want to remain in a revenue-generating role. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for that. We will put links to those resources in our show notes and in the uh, uh, blog post we put up on this as well. So uh, if you liked what you heard today from Dave Nielsen on this episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, we will have this entire episode uh, of course, up available on demand at salespipelineradio.com in a couple of days. We'll also have a summary of this conversation up on our blog at heinzmarketing.com along with links uh, to the Guidant Financial webpage. You can see more of their content strategy firsthand as well as some of the resources Dave's recommended uh, that have been influential to him. So thanks so much, Dave, for joining us today. We will be back next week uh, with more from deep in the heart of the upper Midwest in the hopefully not quite as cold border, uh, sort of a polar vortex uh, but very excited for our conversation with uh, Workfront CEO Alex Schutman. We're out of time for today. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. For my great producer, Paul, this has been Matt Hines. We'll see you next week.